Hey, everybody. It's a Small Potatoes podcast. I'm Angie Thomas. I'm your host. And today we're here with the lovely Ken Anderson. Hello. Uh, Ken is a dance instructor here in Los Angeles, and he has a wonderful movie um, blog, and it's called Dreams Are What La Cinema Is For. Yes, indeedy. And if you are remotely interested in film culture, you have to go read this. Ken is such a keen observer. He has so many interesting things about movies, and he has this whole catalog of movies that he's watched that encourage you to go watch. And there's things on there that I've never seen. I'm kind of trying to go through and watch a lot of them. But, um, Ken, I'm going to tell you how I found you. Okay. I dragged Ken into my web. (laughs) Um, I... I'll get on a tangent with films Uh and I I really love seventies women's movies. And, um, I somehow got into Joan Hackett or I just wanted to watch every Joan Hackett movie I could find. And I found this movie called reflections of a murder. My heart. I love that film. uh, You do. And I watched it and then I just was like, Oh, let me see what there is about this. Cause I was just curious. It's got Joan Hackett, Tuesday world, Anthony Perkins. No, uh, not Anthony. Sam Waterston. Sam Waterston. Even, yes. be- even better. Exactly. And I started Googling, and this article that Ken wrote popped up. And then I find this amazing blog. And I'm going through. Oh. The first thing I see is a, a, he wrote about Berserk. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to be here for a minute. So, Ken, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank I'm so you. So, I love meeting you. I, I love meeting you. I, so, I reached out to Ken. I'm sure he was like, Who is this crazy lady? But was, <laughs> oh my God. Anybody who reads my blog that isn't a relative, I love. On oh, the side. no, 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 no. Any, any film person needs to read this blog. It's fantastic. So, I found Ken and I begged him to come on the show. And he's here. And, Ken, tell us what you, you it's so interesting what you chose, too. Oh, I chose coffee. Ken chose coffee. I, I'm addicted to it. I'm terrible. It's, uh, it's, as a dancer, it's like ah. I never, you know, dancers smoke all the time. And if they don't okay. smoke, they take drugs. I did neither. Oh, no. Coffee was my addiction. That was my energy and everything. So coffee, through my youth, uh-huh. was the fuel. Now that I write and I stay up late yep. doing that, coffee. Coffee. Yeah, okay. So it's like the, for me, it's like if you're going to say, okay, what's the, the sort of the gasoline that fuels a lot of my creativity? Coffee. I love it, and no one's chosen it, and I'm a coffee fanatic as well. I am, and I. Ch- it was funny because um, it's come up with a few of my friends and a few of my guests. We've we've had this coffee conversation because here in Los Angeles we have you know all types to choose from. Mm-hmm. Um, we have yes. coffee has become quite the chic thing now and we have all these artisanal coffee places and you can go and you know sit and spend eight dollars on a cup of coffee and i enjoy those places but you know we've debated as to whether or not is what's the value oh that's interesting because i'm uh, if you think that just because i like coffee a lot you would think well somebody who's drank coffee so much and uh, craves it first thing out of the bed uh i I would go to Winchell's before okay. I would go to a Starbucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And I really don't get the whole coffee culture. And in fact, I think that probably as somebody who's, uh, you know, in his 50s, what I find is that... Looks 30. Oh, <laughs> I love it even more. But I find that the more coffee gets associated with the lifestyle, mm-hmm. the less I'm yes. attracted to yeah. that. Yeah, you don't want to buy that. You want no. the brown juice. Yeah, because I mean, the whole idea of going to a place and you know sitting with your laptop. Yeah, uh, I know what you mean. Yeah, there's you know they're constantly opening new places. I live uh, over downtown, and Uh they're constantly opening these places, and they're all just cuter than the next. Yes, and it is kind of nice if I have a morning off or something. I'm out walking the dogs Mm -hmm. to like pop in and and have you know take my time and having a coffee. But I'm kind of like you, you know, I often have to be at work at like six, seven in the morning. And I'm basically like, this just needs to, so the brain will turn on. So, you know, I don't poison anybody. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I'm actually quite an advocate for a 7-Eleven coffee. There you go. And the reason. McDonald's coffee is great. And the reason for me is because as long as it's fresh, I just need fresh coffee. That's my big thing. And 7 Eleven, they're always making it. Do you make coffee yourself? I don't. I see, I don't either. In fact, you know, anybody who knows me would know that I probably make. 
I make great coffee, but it's mm-hmm. instant. And if you don't yeah. think that anybody could make good instant coffee, I'll, I'll challenge you sometime. It's really great. And even though I have one of those French... Uh, oh, you presses, have a French press. Okay. And I did do that for a while, but I would never sleep. For some reason, the coffee oh. I made that was really great, it's so strong. Yeah. Literally, it, was, it must have been like cocaine or something. I didn't know it's the worst. So I stopped that. But no... Um, I, I agree with you. I think that there's a lot of really good coffee at 7-Eleven and, and Winchell's, like I say that again, and McDonald's. And it just depends on what I need. Most of the time I need it just so I can, like, function. Well, that's it. I yeah. don't need it to be my lifestyle. I mean, are you one of those ones that has a recipe of coffee that you order? You no, know, I'm literally just like, I, give me a coffee. Some, if, it's, if, if I've already had one, I'll just have, like, a decaf with a little bit of coffee in yeah. it. And I even, I mean, I like those little things those little round plastic cylinder i don't know if that's milk i don't know what oh, yeah, that yeah. junk is uh-huh. i put that i don't put the flavored ones i just right. like plain i'll use mm-hmm. coffee mate there but i go. grew up you know working class with that big thing we used to my family would get um cans of pet milk oh yeah i remember do you that. know about pet oh, milk sure. okay because yeah i remember trying to put that on cereal as a child i like, think it's always a big disappointment yeah but it's it's creamy-ish. It's, that's the trouble. It's creamy It's great for coffee, but yeah. it's terrible for a kid looking for whole milk. Now, when you were growing up, were you allowed to have coffee as a kid? No. We yeah. had this thing that was supposed to stunt your growth. Maybe it's true yeah. enough, but we weren't allowed. And I really didn't have it until I got to, like, n- nearly a senior in high school. Yeah, I didn't even have it then. I just no? drank soda. Yeah, exactly. This whole thing about, like, I have clients who have kids who are yes. 12 and 13 they who go to get Starbucks. coffee before they go to school. Yes! Like, what? What? I know. I, t- I, to me, that is shocking, too. That I didn't, uh, Children shouldn't even be in Starbucks. Good. I, I, thought, <laughs> I thought it was just me. I go with no, no. notions, and I keep thinking that's just me. Well, I, you know, sometimes some of the people I work for, you know, they have kids and stuff, and that, you know, if I'm running them around or doing stuff for them, the moms always give you a Starbucks card. Just take them to Starbucks. You know, oh, stop wow. on a Starbucks on your way. But they actually have smoothies. They have they have everything yeah. and the kids want the frozen drinks and stuff oh. like that but i don't think it's a stigma for kids to have coffee anymore i don't think so either strange it's strange to me i don't know that my mind is wrapped around it yet but you're right i don't believe it because i literally see uh, at the dance studio that i work at there's lots of kids sometimes waiting in the hall uh-huh. between, uh, between classes and they have these huge things of yeah. coffee yeah, I, that was totally unseen to me growing up. No, 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 no. Now I had, um, I had an, a great aunt, <laughs> who my aunt Sybil, and I loved her, and the, I totally associate her with this because when we go visit, she had, um, <clears throat> she had a bookshelf of encyclopedias. I think she had those Time Life ones or oh, something, yeah, no, and there was one that had like Ouija pictures in it. Oh. And I was like seven or eight and I found that. <laughs> and so I would, and she, but she would let, she would make me a cup of Sanka uh-huh. and put mostly like milk in it. Yeah. And so I would get that and I'd go into the living room and then they would play cards or whatever. And I would just, I would sit there for hours and scare myself and look at those but pictures. See, that's, a, that's a film reference even. Some, there's some movie in which someone is a, oh gosh, this is terrible. I can't recall the name, but it's a, an adult who's, I think, is turned into a kid, and he, and he wants a cup of coffee or something. Uh-huh. And then the adult challenges him and says, your mother makes you drink coffee? And he says, no, <laughs> I, uh, I get a whole glass of milk, and they just put a, a drop of coffee in Co- Yeah, uh-huh. Okay, five minutes from now, the movie is going to come back to me, uh, what film that is, but it's so strong to me. Sometimes when I watch movies, I don't know if you get this thing, but if you like something, like a certain food or something, so mm-hmm. I drink coffee so much, so sometimes... It, my attention is drawn to what people do with coffee in movies. Absolutely. And so recently I was just watching, it was on television the other day, was uh, Mommy Dearest. Oh, yeah, yeah. Another great one, of course, yes. another classic. And they have that opening where she does this ritual of getting ready to go to work. Yes. Now, if you were on Deep Thoughts, the applause would be going off right now because <laughs> I have referenced this scene myself. Go, oh, yes? Ken, yes. You mean the whole, the whole the thing? The coffee in the bathroom, exactly. the morning ritual legendary so tell me that so, well okay this is a little off topic but since you've seen it so much and you know it when she pulls that bowl of ice from the mm-hmm. and pours something on it people say no it's just purified water and then other people say it's alcohol do you have your own theory i've always thought it was maybe like a toner mm. like witch hazel or something, something like that 
this is so these are some film <laughs> nerds y'all because we are going deep but I, that scene well first of all like just how luxurious I, know. I thought about that all the time like it's it that first of all that's the most gorgeous bathroom ever is it? second of all somebody else if joan got up at four somebody else was up at 2 30 to get all that so ready all that up, right. i guess it was uh what was not carol carol ann carol ann was, was much carol <laughs> Yes, but um, yeah, the coffee in the bathroom, that gorgeous silver coffee setup. It always, it always comes back to me that visual. Yes, and it looks so good, and it was so hot, you know. Exactly, and she, you know, she does all this other stuff before Mm -hmm. she gets to it, and but it's just like one of those, it's like one of those movie moments. But absolutely, mind. And then later on in the film, there's when she's, um, her and Alfred Steele are building that. uh, Mm And she's at the big coffee urn. The big, yes. And she has this incredibly smug look on her face while she's pouring the coffee and denying her daughter a Yeah. I love that scene because there's something about her trying to do something very folksy. Yeah. It's Joan Crawford. and she Coffee? Yeah, exactly. She can't do anything folksy. And it's like, I say Joan Crawford, but Faye Dunaway, Joan Crawford. It's all when I was a kid for a long time, I thought Faye Dunaway was Joan Crawford. It, 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 you're right. You were right. <laughs> Now, when you were growing, now Ken, tell us a little bit about where you like. Where did you grow well, up? Yeah, you. Well, I was born in Baltimore, Maryland. Okay. And, uh, I was born in 1957. Mm-hmm. And I left when we were, when uh, I was about four. We moved to uh, Rockford, Illinois, which I don't remember anything about <clears> except <throat> for that it was very cold. Mm-hmm. We were there for two years. Then we moved. I had some family in Denver, Colorado. Okay. And I do kind of remember that a little bit, but I remember in 1968 most vividly because we moved to San Francisco and 1968 was the summer of love. That was the beginning of the hippie era and we moved in an area very near, it was on Haight Street. So wow! Be, and you know, and I was, oh I was my only gosh. 10 at that, yeah. at that time and so to be at a place where things were happening Exploding. at a time when you're like just starting to become noticing of the world mm-hmm, was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So my love of film began that very year because that was the year that Rosemary's Baby came out. Oh. And my mom at that point was single. They'd gotten divorced. My uh-huh. mom got divorced. And so every weekend, almost to give her some peace, she would send us to the movies. Oh, how wonderful. Like walking distance from home. And in those days, you paid the price. And it was like 75 cents, if not 50 cents. And you could stay all day. And so it was a Castro Theater. and Rosemary's Of course. Baby yeah, there. very famous. And I just fell in love with that movie. And that was like the movie that got me going. Got it going. uh, Falling in love with film. I love that. Now, when you, okay, so do you, how many siblings do you have? I have four sisters. Oh, you have a big family. (laughs) You're the only boy. Yes, I'm only a boy. Oh, wow. Big family. Yeah, big Catholic family. And now growing up, um, who did mom like cook for everybody? Did you, who who did the cooking? My mom would cook. And then on the weekdays, uh, my sister, I have two older sisters, Alice mm-hmm. and Diana, they would split the cooking between them. Okay. So that's why I really can't cook now. I'm learning to you cook. You can. But I'm getting better. I, the, internet <laughs> is, the internet is helping. Every time I come up with something, because <clears throat> my partner, Bruce, he's a fantastic cook. He's the cook. He, okay. And and he can bake stuff. So he does everything. Ooh. So once again, there's a situation where I don't have to cook. Okay. But... I'm, I'm, I'm learning. So there's these things. I, I find out how to make barbecue chicken on the line. And I, I make a pretty, Bruce says I make a pretty good tuna salad. Now, since so you have such a big family, when you yeah. were growing up, were there, like, was, was your mom kind of like, okay, Monday we have this, Tuesday we have this. Were there a lot of strict rules about food? Or do you know what I mean? Like, because I've just said this with big families sometimes. Food is an issue because, like, you know, when you have a lot of kids to right. feed, you're working, you're, you know, you come home, well, you're tired. It. Well, you know, it's so funny about that because I think when I, if I really try to remember back, food was not a big thing at all. It mm-hmm. was almost like there were foods, like my mom was one of those people that would go shopping on a Saturday mm-hmm. and everything you eat through the week was purchased then. Mm-hmm. And there was like a, on the weekends, I think it was Sundays, you'd always have a, a big meal. Uh, but yeah, yeah, but Sunday the, dinner. It was like if my mom was working late, because she was like, you get this, she was like a, a soul's provider for four kids yeah. at that point. So she was working late a lot and Allison and my uh, other sister Diane, they would cook what they could. So I remember things like spaghetti. Yeah, they're ki- like what can kids make? That's what exactly. kids make. Yeah. And everybody participated and yeah. did something. Yeah. And one of the things I remember is that the whole Kool-Aid ritual, which oh. is like when a little boy <laughs> when a little boy makes Kool-Aid 
you've got a big one by the time you finish it. So that I remember. I remember now, was that. that your job to make the Kool-Aid? I don't know if it was my job, but I do totally remember doing it and almost giving my family diabetes. Did you have that big plastic pitcher? Yes. Yes. Everybody does. The big Tupperware? Yes. And you go for, you know, you buy packs of it. And, oh, yeah. And that was like what I could handle. But I don't have any strong memory of cooking anything, which is really strange. All through my childhood, I'm sure I did, but I don't remember cooking But it anything. sounds like you were involved, though. Like, what, did you have to set the table or clear the table clean or the help table clean up? I did the dishes. Uh-huh. And on certain days, <clears> when my sisters got older, one of them went away to college and one of them got married, uh, there were just me and my other two sisters. Mm-hmm. And we would, you know, you'd, you'd raid the, uh, the cupboards and make what was there mm-hmm. and so sometimes some of this really awful like what well, i'm trying to think well one of the things i do remember was shredded wheat with ketchup on it which oh my which is awful oh but we did my. that right and then i remember rice was really easy to make so yeah we would often do that we would do that and then we because my sister had a tea set we thought it'd be really cool to eat everything on these really tiny oh cute you have a little tea party like yeah so when my older sisters were gone <clears> i think <throat> it's a miracle that we either did scarves <laughs> or get scurvy or something because there was no uh, connection with a, a normal meal, except for on a weekend. Yeah. My mom was there. That's it. But you, you're fine. You survived. Yeah, but I think that 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 contributes to what exists today, which is that I don't really have a what I would consider a very educated palate. When I was sick one time, I went to the hospital, and I loved hospital food. If I go oh on boy. the airplane, I like airplane <laughs> food. I have a lot of frozen food in the refrigerator, and uh-huh. I, so I don't. I can, I. It's rare that I can't eat something. But that's. But that's a. That is actually a very good trait it's to food. have. There are plenty. Oh my gosh, there's so many food issue picky people in oh. this world. I'm so grateful to hear somebody that's just you know will sit down I and appreciate, appreciate that. Food, it. But <laughs> it's amazing to me the stuff that I will rave about that other people say that's nearly inedible. That's so funny. Now, did you? But now, growing up in in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. you had you were access to Chinatown. Right. There was a little Italy. I mean, were, did you guys get out and explore ever? Like, did you yeah. ever get to go out and try things when you were growing you up? Going, like restaurants? Yeah, or just you know, not even fancy. But could you? Were, did you go out and get pizza or anything like that? No, no. You know, for some reason. Uh, I do remember my mom was a big fan of Chinese food. Yeah. When there was a special event or when, like, she got a raise or uh-huh. it was just like she was feeling really good, Chinese food was it. Oh, wonderful. And, that was really big. and But we never went to restaurants until we got much older. Yeah. And I really feel it's expensive. like it's expensive. It's a lot to take that many children. But it's, yeah, and that's the big ticket. Yeah. I think it's a great thing for kids. And if anybody's got kids, and it's like a great way to socialize them, not the sort of monsters I <laughs> They take the kids to the restaurant, the kids running through the aisles. And yeah. No, no, no. But um, so going out wasn't a big deal. But yeah, Chinese food was a big thing. Yeah. And I'm, McDonald's was, was yeah. a rarity, but it was great. Yeah. But you've got it down in that when you have four kids and you've got one working mom, the going out it would be it. almost impossible. No, no. I mean, maybe pizza. And pizza, for some reason, see, what I do recall are those awful uh, Chef Boyardee pizzas where they come mm-hmm, in a box mm-hmm. and then you you the make them roll them you, out, yeah. make it, yeah. None of this sending out stuff. But that's probably in the past like 30 years, right? You're talking what, the late 60s, yeah, early 60s? Yeah. And you know what happened was that uh, I guess it was like early 70s, like 71 or 72, my mom met. The man I call my father. He's okay. a incredible man named Stanford. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were living rather modestly in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And then when they got married, boom. We Moving moved on into, up. Yeah, and we moved into the hills of Oakland. Which Ooh la la. We were the only black family in this whole area. Uh-huh. This beautiful house and whatnot. But everything changed. And so everybody wound up with a room of their own and a phone. Oh, their wonderful. Own. Ooh la la. Stanford. No, but it's fallen. No, trust me, trust me. It seems like a great thing, but everything that made us bond and connect yes. we weren't doing well, yeah. we lost. And so, the family kind of like... So you know, sitting down for family meals? No, Interesting. Exactly but my mom had gone through Est by that point. My mom really oh, reinvented herself. Now, here we go. She went through Est in the 70s. And Whoa. She, she zoomed through. Uh, she was working for the government, and she was very ambitious and very hardworking. So by the time that she got married again, she was like almost this official in the government in San Francisco. And so uh, she was working a lot. And she got into Est, and she got into health foods, and we all of a sudden oh. had sports and, oh, and wow. all this incredible healthy food. Yeah. And it was a big, big food change that I mm-hmm. noticed that there was a lot of... Uh, <clears throat> no Kool-Aid. You know, and that's really true. <laughs> you know, that's really, really true. The Kool-Aid went out. There was less frying going on. Yeah. You know? It was very... It was... It was strange. We kind of had that at our house. Yeah. Um, I was 
a little bit more it was so strange because my grandmother was a really now looking on it she's probably a lot like your mom like looking on it now it's may it's what everyone what does do. yeah but for back then growing up like a southern black lady like my grandmother is actually like really progressive exactly. i mean um weren't allowed to have a lot of processed foods or but she was just very sort of like everything you eat should be like natural you should you know wow. we had a garden only drink i mean i only had water or milk or uh, maybe like juice yeah. like fruit juice but i mean i we like not a lot of soda i mean i'd have kool-aid and stuff but it was definitely like that's not good like this is a treat like it That's was wonderful. you know yeah and um but i and i remember the big switch to olive oil and like the no more and the frying and stuff yes. yeah. but um yeah i feel like in like the 70s a lot of people kind of not as many black people though but it did happen <laughs> and, and, and you're right but it had a lot to do with you know like i i, I told you before that we were uh my mom was very assimilationist she yeah was from the, the civil rights era and she used to march and everything <clears throat> so come the 70s there was this real feel in our household that what you're going to do is like things are going to get better by blending in. Mm -hmm. And so we lived in, uh, we moved to, you know, we're close to Berkeley. And so you couldn't get more oh, for course. five Berkeley. Of course, yeah. So granola and everything that was going on uh, nutritionally around and health food stuff, that was what our house became. And I think also like a lot of black consciousness included like disassociation from like slave food. Well, that's true. The whole, you know, uh, it was only in the, when I first moved here to L.A. in 78 soul food uh, started to have a positive connotation mm -hmm. but i got to say that when i was in high school in seven, 70 to 75 if you said soul food it was like a lot of like yeah 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 food. right was, it was nobody was like claiming that is what they want to eat yeah it really changed so you're right you're totally right and there was a, a big separation from it in fact we have everybody has them but we definitely had what you call poor relations in which we the kind of food <laughs> yeah oh my yeah mom, my mom had yeah. instant amnesia about uh -huh. eating that stuff going up uh -huh. so, yeah. a big thing at our house was um orange pop yes and i had cousins and they're they're gonna hear this and they're gonna get they're gonna laugh <laughs> but they they would go walk to the shop and get like a knee high or an orange oh. pop and my uncle refused to be seen with them oh, he was yes. like you can't be like another black person drinking <laughs> orange soda like that was a big no-no well i had i mean i don't know if i should say this but i have those things too uh -huh. i have a couple of them and, <laughs> and, and i would say it even to bruce like when we first got together it's like there's certain things that as a black man, I cannot do when I go shopping. And yes. It's like, if I if we're going on a picnic or something, I will never ever buy a watermelon. You won't side. even see me pick one up. No, it will not happen. <laughs> you will never see me. Never buy chicken. Chicken. Ne no, you just won't. And it's like I'll be damned if you're going to get me yeah. in that category. <laughs> and it's so stupid that we do that to ourselves. But. They're, those are things are hard to share. I know, share. I know. And mine is because one of our other, you know, one of the hosts on other show is um, from the South. He's white, though. But, you know, of course, we talk about what our absolute favorite thing we can think of, and it's fried chicken. Right. It's fried chicken for him, too. I mean, a lot of that is just being from the South. Exactly. And it's funny because this has come up before, and I definitely... What people call soul food, I a lot of times just see a southern food. Oh, yeah. And e everybody ate mm -hmm. it. So that, that I think is true. And in fact, I think that now that there's a smarter group of people, and what I see on, in, on online, I can't remember. There's this woman on MTV who does these videos. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes they're just imploding a lot of social stereotypes. Mm -hmm. race. But she did this wonderful one about the watermelon and chicken thing. And I <laughs> swear, I wish I could make a name. But she was just saying like, these are foods that are very much associated with Southern, but in order to sort of oppress a certain people or to create a stereotype that's negative, various images and, and whatnot were right. uh, created over the years. And she just, it's just so smart. And I love that maybe our culture is moving to a point where those are not being accepted so much it is and i people think people so. are questioning that like you say i think it is it's southern food it yeah. has a very strong uh, connection with the south but associating it with race and whatnot i think i'm hoping that the end of that that there'll never be another kid like myself who'll grow up and like i'm never going to a store and buy a watermelon now that. with your mom so with her health i've the whole s thing is so interesting to yeah. me too with her health food uh interest in that did you hold on to any of that thinking and any of those things 
this beliefs? I can't say that I did because the one thing maybe that comes through from all of that is mm-hmm. that f- I grew up with food not really ever being a big factor in my life. Mm-hmm. Because, and so when I think about no, nothing stuck with me. So when I when I moved here alone, I moved here in 78 and I was making very little and struggling. I just remember buying what I could afford. So yeah. nowadays there's certain foods I really can't eat. I can't really eat pancakes much because in the old oh, days what wow. I would do is I'd buy boxes of the pancake mix and you just mix water, water. and you survive on that. And then Oh man. Uh, what do you call it? Um, spaghetti. Yeah. You know, cuz it really extends. Yep. Yep. I have a little I have sometimes trouble with potatoes because that's yeah. another food. <laughs> So it's they're cheap, all these yeah. That were like my youth survival. All carbs things. too. Isn't it the truth? And so, uh, even my boyfriend, he tells me like when he met me, he said, "Oh my God, I started to uh, think of all these health food places to go because I was a aerobic instructor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He thought I was so healthy, and then he met me and he realized, oh my God, that you eat like garbage. Oh, that's I mean, so I funny. Lasagna. I mean, lasagna is like really one of oh, my Oh, that's favorite, good though. But that's yeah. oh, see, Ken, you should you should just said it. I've not made lasagna for see, anyone. I had no idea. I thought, <laughs> I thought if I said uh, she asked me what my favorite food is, and I said coffee, but that's because oh. I could make it. If I I, th- I thought if I said lasagna, you asked me. Oh no, I would have shown up with one. Stop. Uh, okay, let's do this again. Let me ask you though. No, so when you when you came down here and you. You know, starting out your career dancing. Now, I always think of actually dancers are weird. I mean, meaning like dancers are everything in LA now with all this CrossFit and this, you know, everybody's so obsessed with fitness. And every this is such an industry Mm -hmm. and everything is so finite. And people, you know, I've cooked for these raw vegan people and all these things. Mm And, you know, there's all these really distinct lifestyles. Um, But I've always just also when I lived in New York, I was around a lot more dancers and, you know, with all the ballet companies and things. Dancers are such a different breed. And it does kind of seem like a dancer can survive off of, like, cigarettes and dreams and, you know, whatever. And it's so odd how, like, those bodies can do that. I'm very little where it's like... You know, now in L.A., people are kind of like, I have to have, a, you know, alkaline water for, you know, all these kind of it's special true. things. So what's that about? Well, I, you know, it's funny because uh, just having you explain it from the dancer's point of view, I had to redirect my mind because when I came down here, I wanted to be a filmmaker, actually. Okay. I never danced before in my life. Oh, okay. I moved, moved, moved down here after I was going to three years for film school and mm-hmm. I came down here to study. And I did a couple of movies, uh, small short films about dancers. And I sort of got jealous about what they're doing. And I sort of started putting all my tuition money towards dance classes. Okay. And then, uh, you know, I say this on my blog, but what's, you know, sort of icky and good, too, is that I saw that movie Xanadu. What do you mean, icky? Well, it's weird because it's sort of embarrassing, but that movie changed my life. Yeah. I wanted to be a filmmaker up until 1980, August 8th. I saw that movie, and it's just like, I don't know what happened, but I started putting all my money to dance classes, so I only became a dancer. It was Gene Kelly. Yeah. Like, there's something about it. So, good. I'm glad to you it makes a little sense. Oh, yeah. And so I only got into the dance world really late like I started taking dance classes when I was like 20 21 okay because it was such a late time I just accelerated it and mm-hmm. I just take four classes a day so I think I started very unhealthy anyway I didn't even think about uh, eating well but the dancers that I came across this was the 80s and if you think of the 80s anyway 80s was very druggy so mm. a lot of the dancers I knew made you into staying thin yeah so, by taking stuff and yeah. if you didn't take stuff like speed speed was really big mm-hmm. they would smoke like crazy yeah no nutritional stuff that the kind of stuff you hear about now yeah uh, i guess it was around 86 or 87 I, I blew out my knee a little bit and then i moved from dancing into t- fitness instruction mm-hmm. that's when i started to meet those people who like measured out their oh right 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 stuff. right and then you really do meet those people like you're discussing where this is a machine i guess they're like automobiles yeah. and it's like everything has to be so specific yeah and i i can't relate to that but yeah. i've known so many people like that and to tell you the truth i don't know many people that i would say that it behooved um oftentimes they're very nervousy i don't yeah i i I hope I'm not generalizing here, but what I don't tend to see is that people eating well, having a life or appearance or anything connected to them in which their diet seems like it improves it. it right, like right, it right, right. It. Yeah. It seems like sometimes it, it, it makes them look rather sallow. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I don't see the gain, except for that maybe they're not going to drop dead at like yeah. me in five more years or something. But they might from the anxiety, because sometimes there's such a lot of that's just like obsessiveness and control issues. Yeah. And it's like the minute anything strays off of some kind of regime, yeah. then they they can't handle it. And then that that stress will kill you. I you Excuse me. I think you're totally right, because one of the things that I try to do with my clients is that I really do think quality of life is more important than quantity mm -hmm. and this whole idea that you're extending your life by doing these things it's fine if you really believe that but there's lots of wonderful people who are very fit who are uh, not the perfect shape right people who have really wonderful shapes in fact I'd, I'd say this as a fact a lot of the guys at the gyms that I go to have wonderful physiques due to a lot of unhealthy things uh-huh if it's not the steroids then uh -huh. it's uh, the human growth hormone. Yeah, 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 a lot of that. And so a lot of times you look around in society and the ones that look the healthiest and pulled together are look that way born of a lot of unhealthy stuff. Mm. And that sometimes we've got to give it up to some of these people who just eat moderately, mm -hmm. they eat what they want. And yeah. moderation seems to be the biggest ticket. It's like yeah. if you don't gorge on things, I think it gives you a broad latitude of what you can eat. Right. But it's just that, you know, human beings never just eat for fuel. We eat for all these emotional reasons. Oh, yeah. yeah. And now when you also moved here in this, I mean, I, I gosh, the 70s in, in L.A., I just... That's like my dream You mean one time. movie was going to be great? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, well, I'm like American Gigolo is one of my favorite movies ever. Oh, my gosh. Because that, 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 that uh, soundtrack came out when I came down here. Yeah. And the idea of driving in a convertible. Yes. Yes. Was like dream. And just the palette, every, but it's, um, you know, that's, uh, Paul Schrader mm -hmm. so and I sort of like all that kind yeah. of like disco darkness but it's dark you know yeah, very much but it's sort of hot it's a mix of like really beautiful sunny glamorous LA but then all the palettes very gray he only wears like yeah. all those earth tones there's no color um I think they go to they're in Scandia I think that's where he meets Lauren Hutton that first time mm -hmm. and the only color is she's those red boots oh my gosh and um but anyway my point is that uh Everyone, when when I watch these Xanadu, yeah. American Jello, all these '70s movies, and lost, everybody's so thin. Really everybody's are. so thin. But now, people were, people they were just skinny then, skinnier, yes. right? Yes. Okay. But because one of the things I even noticed, you know, my uh, partner and I, we oftentimes will watch. I'm dating myself again, showing them what an old That's okay. Is. But we watched like the game show network. Yeah. One of the weird things about you watch that is everybody is so skinny, all the contestants. Yeah. And then you watch the very same game shows that look that are existing now, like Family Feud. Oh my everybody gosh. It's enormous. Yeah. There is, and, and, and um, some people feel it's attributable to that whole uh, high uh, corn fructose thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But we are, as a people, as a country, getting bigger and bigger. But. In the 80s, the drug culture, at least in L.A., was oh, so over the top yeah. that there's a lot of that skinniness attributable to that. But, From Coke. And but one of my favorite 70s movies is, uh, it's not, it's New York, it's uh, Eyes of Laura Mars. Yes. Everybody's a bone yeah. when you look at that movie. I yeah. Mean, she is, all those models, they're, yeah. they're read thin. But... You know, that's where that phrase cocaine thin comes from. Is mm. Because it's like oh. half the time, that's what got half of them so thin. And you saw a lot of dancers doing that also? Yes. Yeah. But mostly speed, for some reason, uh, was one of the big ones. Because you had all this energy combined with mm -hmm. it and all that. I think coke might have been very uh, too expensive. But speed was like M&M's around. Uh, oh, my gosh. Huge. Well, I just remember um, whenever I would, if I had any reason to be around Lincoln Center, sometimes you'd see the ballet dancers oh, yeah. down around there. And they would always be buying cigarettes. Mm, yeah, cigarettes. Never food. And, no. and coffee. Well, did you ever see the movie uh, Black Swan? Of course, yeah. Remember that, that breakfast, that dancer's breakfast? Oh, uh, what like was it? Egg, and there's like yeah. Dancers, I don't know, I, I'm out of the loop a little bit now, mm -hmm. but it's not unusual for dancers, like when I was even in the early 80s, would go with that one egg, four strawberries kind of diet. Yeah. And, and that's how they subsist. And it yeah. really meant a lot to, because you get kicked off of companies or you oh, get right. jobs and yeah. stuff. And so I'm not sure what the men would do. I got to say that much. I don't know sure how, because how, 80s was also a very weird time in that the musculature culture. Uh, yeah, culture yeah, was yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So that was the first time where male dancers were going to gyms and not feeling they're bulking up. But yeah. Trying to achieve a look. But women, this really flat stomach, mm -hmm. really cut up look was very much in. And so. Uh, a lot of eating disorders were because I'm thinking of like staying alive and perfect. And yes. Travolta was like, he was Bill. Yes, I mean, exactly. he was muscly. Right, yeah. 
Now, is he an actor who can dance or is he a dancer who can act? I think he's a dancer who can act. He's a dancer. Oh, no, can wait, act. Wait. I told you, I, <laughs> she threw me with that question because it's like I, I personally think, personally, I have a, yeah. I think he's a horrible dancer. I think oh, you plays, do? Okay. I do. So I was thrown by that because she used the word dancer and John Travolta together. No, but I think he's an actor who can dance. Who can, okay. Because I look at, see, this is one of those things that sometimes it really gets me. Like I look at Saturday Night Live, mm -hmm. Saturday Night Fever, mm -hmm. and I understand the, the hubbub it made, but when you look at those scenes with him, it's like there was, I had an uncle who would tear up the floor better than that. But there's a scene in that, I love that movie so much. Mm. And it's so funny because I wasn't allowed to see it. <laughs> yeah, it was already. Yeah, and I think I somehow, TV, I know, I knew the movie. And I, mm -hmm. of course, I had the record and I knew like you couldn't get away from that. Yeah. But, um, Going back and watch, and I actually just watched it in the past year or so. Oh, mm -hmm. It's really good. It's, it's really dark. A lot more, yeah. It's very dark. But he says in the movie, the Puerto Ricans yes. that should have won. Right. And he takes a trophy and he gives right. it to them. He's like, they're better. That's point. Exactly. Yeah. And it's really true. And if that, I haven't seen it in a while, but if that is actually what comes through, that there's this little bit of like, I mean, he's good, but not yeah. that as great as these other folks. Yeah, I should maybe watch it again. I, you know, I really got caught up in it because I was very, very much in disco. When you were? Oh, that's yeah. uh, okay. Oh, so because, what was? Oh, what? No, no, go ahead. No, no. But when I was in high school, disco was coming out. And yeah, it was just I was a very introverted child. I went to Catholic schools and whatnot, uh -huh. so I was super introverted. And disco, for some reason, at that time, was just like, boom. of course. And so I was really super into disco, and that. Uh, Let me ask you this: this is this is not food related, but I have to ask you. Uh, growing up in San Francisco, did you ever see Sylvester? Never. 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 No, uh, because when you, actually with my trajectory of my age, like I was never old enough to go to a disco. Oh, I just didn't know if you remember seeing him like in the Castro. No, but no, I guess he I, wouldn't have been done up during the day anyways. Well, I'm trying to, because I used to work on Polk Street and I used to see a lot of stuff, but I never ever saw him. Okay. But I remember that he was like this iconic figure. Yeah. And very much ahead of his time as, you know, as, as time has shown him to be. But the whole culture, it was very a heady time. I mean, one of the cool things about being old enough to have lived through something that people look back and go and say, oh, that's nice, is that you really do remember it being bigger than anything that came before. Because mm -hmm. I, you know, obviously too young for the whole go-go Beatles thing. Yeah. But this was the equivalent for me. Everything changed around. I mean, the way people dressed switched around. It was it was playing in the radios all the time. Yeah. And it just, it just such a big cultural washover of everything and you were like this is me you it you connected it with appealed it to me for some yeah. reason because it got me i don't know what you know when something gets a kid out of his shell mm -hmm. but it was that there's something theatrical about it and something that was broader than broad maybe sort of like what people what kids would always experience when they saw a rocky horror picture show yeah some inducement that you if you express yourself you'll be happier yeah but disco definitely had that well, you probably saw yourself. I mean, maybe when, when you saw the people who sang these songs or you saw Solid Gold or you saw these yeah. records and you probably saw people that looked like you or maybe, something. That's and you're a good like, point. That's maybe. Because, you know, because one of the things I saw this really great uh, documentary about disco and they were saying that it was a very uh, huge gay and African-American yeah. movement and mm -hmm. it was getting very mainstream. And so you're right. Seeing yourself, when I think about pop culture around the 70s, you know, there's Elton John and David Bowie and stuff. So you're right. Disco introduced a lot more African-American artists out mm -hmm. even before that. Do you ever watch, like, say, some of those old say American bandstands or oh, Soul Train? No, or, but I, I mean, I watched it when it was on. Oh, because I yeah. look at those now and even though I was a young person then they blow me away now like i look at soul train now and yeah I look at those clothes and i look at oh dance, yeah like, did you ever dance on soul train no when why I, when I came down here soul train the soul train studio was still on la cienega yeah it, it was uh, there was a point when it was just like anybody could just go in and by that yeah. point they were i think it was like even when jody wally was there it was like they were only hiring uh, professional dancers and so when I came down here I wasn't a dancer oh. at all. If I knew I wanted to be a dancer I think I would have. You would have but, slayed on there. But see that's a good example of what I look at when I see I look at John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever and then I look at Soul Train and I go <laughs> No comparison! Yeah exactly because some of those <clears throat> kids on that are just like beautiful to me and it's like oh, yeah. one of the cultural things that I always look uh, uh, appeals to me about that is that you look at one episode of that and you just see a lot of stuff that gets appropriated, a mm -hmm. lot of stuff that doesn't get enough of its own credit. Yeah. But the, the black kids that were doing that and 
everybody says, oh, that's street dancing. They were just that's just natural talent. It's like no, those no. kids are working their asses off. Yeah, and that and that that look and everything that was drawn out of it was something that came from the culture. Mm-hmm. And it's just that's what that's why Saturday Night Fever doesn't appeal to me so much because it made popular what was going on already right it took it away from the people who really like voguing it. and anything yeah, yeah exactly and so it's sometimes hard to look at that and go like john travolta is this great disco dancer right the hell? <laughs> no so when you were um so when you were here back in that time do you are there places that you're like restaurants and things that you remember that are gone like you know i know when oh, yeah. you when you started to go out i mean i you know i i i know um like when i see these old well i'm sure you saw that did you see the source documentary no. So, uh, do you remember the Source Restaurant down on Sunset? Oh, sure, because I always associate that with that Woody Allen movie. Uh, exactly. Hall. Did yes. you ever eat there? I never ate there, but I once again, that's a, a place that I can't even look at now and not see that. I always see it as the Source. Um, and even Scandia, I remember yeah. being there. And when I there was a place on Beverly Boulevard, the first disco I ever went to because uh-huh. it's eighteen and over, called the Odyssey, and I always oh, see yeah. that. But I'm trying to think of uh, a restaurant because you know they just tore down Jans. They did. Yeah. Get out of town. It's gone. <gasps> well, do you remember? I guess it's still there, but Lucy's, when I first moved down here, Lucy's. Lucy's. Was really popular because okay. of, uh, Linda Ronstadt was dating uh, Jerry, Jerry Brown. Jerry Brown, yeah. So that was like one of the first places I wanted to go to when it came down But what, how is that associated with them? They used to hang out there. They had a Shut up. Their own. Yeah. Lucy's like burrito place? Sure. Yeah, it, they put him on the map. I mean, I think so, but you could tell this story. Tell this story. No, you couldn't, because uh, Linda Ronstadt clearly was like that was when FM radio was coming out. So yeah, Linda Ronstadt was all over the place. She was marrying. I mean, she was dating this really clean-cut uh, politician, and the fact that they were dating was big news in and well, of yeah. itself. But they would <laughs> hang out there, and it was always being said. This is before I even moved down here. I would read about it in the. I guess Rona Barrett or something. Uh-huh. And then when I came down here, I really wanted to see it. And of course, it's underwhelming when you see it. It's a nice place, but it's not like celebrity. Yeah, it's just like hot dogs and sure. yeah. Really, I Lucy's didn't know that. The one down there on the yeah, yeah, yep. Wow. Yeah, I'm surprised that. Uh, but maybe that's that's pretty far back. You weren't. No, I mean, I and it's still there, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, and you know, they ref they talk about Lucy's and Baby Boy. Oh, they do. Yeah, because oh. he says to Tyrese says to Taraji, I'm guessing they're talking about that same yeah. Lucy's. He says, you want me to go to Lucy's and get you something? Oh, my gosh. And no. yeah. And I always think about that. Well, do you are you familiar with the place? I don't even know if there's one here in L.A. It used to be a place called Joe Allen's the restaurant. Oh, yeah. In, the, in New York. OK. That's yeah. New York. Yeah. I was yeah. There's one here that I don't know. I know the one in New York. Yeah. yeah. That comes up, I think, because it was in Rosemary's Baby. Oh, is that where, do they go there at some point? He mentions it, like he's going to read it, meet his agent there. Oh, okay. But I should try to think of some of them, because definitely when I moved down here, there were places that were, were very L.A. to me, like uh, yes. you know, things I'd seen from Brown Derby. Home. But, yes. You know, I never went to the Brown Derby. Yeah, and now it's, uh, it's a pretty good restaurant. It's called the Mess Hall. Mm, it's over in Los Feliz. It's nice? Yeah. It's fine. You know, it's okay. <laughs> but I mean, I know that I do know it was the Brown Derby. I know that um, there was somewhere that I had wanted. Oh, I never went to Hamburger Hamlet. Oh, that I did go to. And I yeah. remember that was popular. But when you just brought that up, do you remember a place called Duke's? It was like a rock and roll. No. There was a, there was a motel called the Tropicana that was on the corner of La Cienega and Santa Monica Boulevard. Okay. And a lot of the rock stars who would play down there at the Troubadour or something and up at the the Roxy, they would stay there. And so okay. next door to it was like sort of this 24-hour diner called Duke's. And they were known to have the best chocolate cake in town. But they would have lines there, and it was like a rock and roll place. So that was one place I really wanted to go to. And I went there, and once again, it was like, wow, this is cool, but I don't understand why I people don't, are lining exactly. up Exactly. Yeah. Um, was it when you, do you have any, I mean, I'm putting you on the spot. If, if you don't remember, it's okay. But do you have any strong memories of like, <laughs> It's seeing in movies, seeing people eat a certain dish or anything like that, and you're like, one day I'm going to try that or like, any, well, do you know what I mean? Oh, I do know what you mean. That's so funny because I wish I could come up with a really great idea, but I'll tell you two things that were that stick in my mind. One is that I would see these old movies and they would mention foods that would seem to me that were dead. You could never find yes. them on. Yes, yes, on, yes, yes. yes. So one time we went to Vegas and we went to this, this old, old uh, uh, restaurant 
and I wanted to order Lobster Thermidor because I'd never oh, yeah. heard people say that in old films and it's like what the hell is it anyway yeah. I ordered it and it's horrible really it was so thick and bready I, did, I couldn't finish it but I wanted to try that and another one was Clams Casino oh yeah do you know what that is yeah I don't even know what that is it's like a baked clam dish and I think it has like bacon on it and maybe oh. breadcrumbs or something it's really oily I, yeah, you'll see these old movies. Oh, like um, like when I see, what's that film? Um, Dinner at Eight. And uh -huh. there's a big scene about the aspect. I'd never had aspect oh, before. Oh, yeah. And then you you go to some place and ask for it and try it, and you're just stunned. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, my God, this like frozen tomato sauce. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, the first time I tried baked Alaska, because there's a great scene in the movie The Group that oh, centers yeah. around a wedding uh, banquet, a wedding mm -hmm. breakfast, and, and they have uh, baked Alaska all about it and so i wanted to try that and that was another one i mean you can see why these foods don't last while they died out yeah. oh that's so interesting that's true but, and you know clams casino lobster thermidor that but i gotta tell you you know that awful movie twister the one about the hurricanes or the, the, the Helen tomatoes Hunt. Yeah, when I, <laughs> yes, it's awful. The, the flying cows. Yeah. Anyway, so we, I, we, I dragged my partner to see that, and the only thing I remember coming from it was that they have a breakfast scene, and somebody ordered steak and eggs, and I'd never had steak and eggs. Oh uh, wow! And so right after that, we went to, uh, I think it was Jerry's. Uh huh. Uh huh. Jerry's Deli. Yeah. And that's, and that's been a favorite of mine ever since. Oh but yeah. Once again, like with the Xanadu, you hate to be inspired by something. Not Who cares? Xanadu is great. Twister sucks. <laughs> I, you know, um, this is so weird, but sometimes it's not even in the forefront of the movie, but it's like some movies are just shot so beautifully and the props are so gorgeous yeah. that you associate it with like a certain kind of lifestyle or something. And for example, um, I really love that movie Quiz Show. Oh, my gosh. And more, it's, it's, I think it's such a well-made movie from mm -hmm. beginning to end. I think he really... That's what people really looked like then, yeah. I think. I think it's such a compelling story. The acting's all really good. But I think that he, that really waspy Connecticut, <laughs> I mean, you really get it. Like, yeah. like you know, and the, one of the big things I noticed was they were, there's that scene where they're having the picnic or something, or they're having some kind of dinner outdoors. Mm -hmm. But it's casual. It's a fan. But they're eating on like gorgeous, like Limoges oh. china. You know, they're having just yeah, like watermelon. Right. But they're having it. They took the nice dishes outside. Yes. Yes. And that's when. And you're like, oh, like. See, I love it about that about movies that do bring you images like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Stay with you because when you're talking about that, it reminds me of when I for the first time I saw. Um, Ordinary people at the time. Oh, yes. And yeah. It's like a weird, uh, unusual lifestyle. People you don't know. Well, was. Meet. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but the way that. What also, like, Robert Redford. Oh, that's right. Yes. He's very good about you both. He is. Yeah. Things. But what I related to was that there's something there's a very African American about the way that that particular Waspy family used food as a ritual to engage because they could not engage any other way. Yeah. And if I say anything about my family, I got to say that because we're. Not only were we a large family together, but we have a large extended family. Mm -hmm. We almost never knew how to relate to each other unless there was food around. <clears throat> of and course. So that was all. And so I really got that. And so I like the way that movie evoked that. Every time these people t talk at all, it has to be around food because it would be too intimate otherwise. Yes. I, I like that. I thought that was very cool. I love that movie. That is the best thing Mary Tyler Moore has ever done. Is true? And and the Mary Tyler Moore show is one of the greatest. There'll never be a show that but good. Don't you but don't love it when people sometimes get cast out of type and somebody oh, yeah. something in them? Well, she says that that's the closest to who she really is. Oh, no, really? I oh, yeah. Wow. And there's that amazing scene. I'm really sometimes very moved by things where it seems like even a throwaway thing, but it'll stick with me. And the same thing, <laughs> I don't know, plates? They have a plate fetish. <laughs> but there's that scene where... Oh, she I breaks the plate and then she's like, I think this can be saved. Yes, yes, yes. I totally remember that. And that's a really very beautiful scene because yeah. you would be remiss. Like if you were like a, say, the producer or something and maybe just didn't get films, you could say, this scene could go because nothing yeah. happens in it. But oh, it's a lot, lot happening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I love that. The broken and her, she's, she obsesses on it in a way. It's a, yeah. it's a broken plate and you can tell her mother, like something really big happened. And her mother's trying to get her to mm -hmm. talk about it. And she's just going like this. Because mm -hmm. Conrad's that play. Yes. Yeah, there you go. You got it. <coughs> See, I Excuse like people me. who watch movies. You know, one of the, no, one of the big things about, and maybe this is even what you found, is that 
one of the things that I, I love reading about movies, but when I was growing up, there were like Paul and Kale and there was uh, mm, oh, yeah. all these fantastic film critics. But when I look on the internet now, I get a lot of people who express their opinions about like, I like a movie and it's fun, blah, blah, blah. but nobody really knows how to look at a movie. Mm-hmm. And, and the, some of the things that you extract from what you like about a movie is exactly what I enjoy hearing because movies are such an active Oh, yeah. And so I never understand why people go to distract themselves or waste an hour or say like, oh, I just want to be, you know. Yeah. Or like a spaceship take me up out of the universe. I think so, too. And even um, have you ever seen Diary of a Mad Housewife? Too many times. That's okay. one of the ones I write about on my blog. I love that. Oh, that's right. Of course it's on your blog. Um, see, this is the kind of things, if you like these kinds of things, go to the blog and you'll find things you do not know about. <laughs> Trust. But, you know, so a lot of that movie is her obsessing over, like, what to make. And there's that really creepy scene with Richard Benjamin making that Caesar salad. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's such a weird scene. It's very weird. But it's very... And you write about that, don't you? Don't you write about that scene and making not, that salad? Yeah, because I think that, like in that show, or in that movie, they they do a really great job of catching how, like even what you begin this conversation about, like the way that people sometimes grab onto status symbols and turn them yes. into lifestyle things. And yeah. So in lieu of having it be a Starbucks with a double latte, half of this and all that, this guy got into the idea that Caesar salads were really uh, the going thing in yeah. the west side and specific things had to be in it or else you're sort of like considered on the outs. Yes. And he really gets very uh, like almost fetish like about what specific has to be in it. He won't let his wife do it. Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. And he comes in and he, Oh, that movie's so good. Yeah, remember um, the whole, the, they have the dinner party and they yes. have the scrambled eggs. Yes. That's, what that, that's what's going in yes. society at that particular time. Yeah. I kind of, I mean, uh, maybe I've never thought about it before talking to you, but it's really sort of interesting to me, the food aspect of, of certain films, because subliminally they hit me in some, and then other ones, they're, it's a very strong element where food, like, you know, the more obvious ones are like uh, On a Clear Day You Can See Forever. I've never seen that. Oh, it's not that great a movie, but they have this fan, uh, sort of a takeoff on that Tom Jones seduction scene. Okay. Where, uh, Barbara Streisand is seducing a fellow across the uh, banquet table and she's, you know, they're eating with their hands. And mm-hmm. so it's very tactile and there's all this mouth stuff. Anyway, she, she gets a goblet of wine and she draws it across her lips and then she brings it down to her bosom and all the way down to her cleavage. <laughs> it's an incredibly erotic food-based uh-huh. scene. And I never, you know, I never saw Tom oh, Jones. Oh, I've got to watch you? that. I've never seen Tom Jones. See, I've never seen that, but I know yeah. that that's what the takeoff is. But I love when food has that kind of yeah. part in a movie where it plays into it. And even, you know, in Barbara, it's funny because like in her movies, you know, she loves to do a transformation. Yes. And it's so, because in Mirror Has Two Faces, she goes from being a woman who loves food. That's right. To, oh, who, who to a woman who's like, I'm just going to have this salad right. with no dressing. And you know what? It's just as good. And you're like, mm-hmm. bitch, it's not. I know. You know? <laughs> Is like, well, I guess, no. you know, if that's what we're doing now. But it's just, you know, but that's just part of it's not going to be a good Barbara movie unless that happens. Well, like you know, she, she yeah, yeah, she, she has change. to have, yeah. But um, the other one is uh, is Three Sisters. I mean, Three Women. Oh, my God. With the whole, with the whole obsessiveness of yes. planning that dinner, the there party. You, oh, you know, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that is an exquisite film about yeah. the way they use food. Oh, yeah. yeah. And all that. And I don't even really, I haven't seen that movie in a long time, but two things. One, I remember the food was kind of really gross. It's horrible. Right? Really inedible. And But I remember when that kind of food was popular. Exactly. Because that's a favorite. I write, of course, I'm, I'm tough. <laughs> no, you you, you better be blog. proud. <laughs> Come well, on now. <laughs> that was like, I say in my blog, that that was like a date. A test movie for me because when I was seeing oh, okay. like that movie and Andy Warhol's Bad that I would see with and people. he's wearing his Warhol Bad shirt oh, right now. That's right, I didn't realize that. But you see those movies with someone, and if they got them, you knew that they were sort of the person for you. Oh, and I so love that. Those are two extremes. One was like this really weird comedy, and the other one was like this. It's a you know, Three Women is a strange movie. But so the thing about what made Bruce a a keeper uh-huh. because he saw that movie with me, and then we both laughed at like there's the <gasps> 
what's the woman's oh Shelley Duvall's character she's uh-huh. like really into yellow and it's, yes I'm known for my dinner parties and then you get an <laughs> idea for dinner parties and it's this awful wine lemon satin and tickled pink wine <laughs> then she has like these uh, you know those pre-made uh, cocktail yeah 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 uh-huh cocktail. uh-huh then she has I remember uh, those sociable crackers with yep. What's that squeezing cheese? With cheese, uh, squeeze cheese or something, yeah. Cheese whiz on top. Cheese of it. whiz, yeah. And then she has pigs in a blanket. Yum. And then she has those. Uh, you remember? Gosh, this is oh, good. Chocolate pudding tarts that she puts the sprinkles oh, on top. Oh gosh. And all of that is vomitous. Yeah. But she's really, really proud of it, and she really thinks it's fantastic. And she she buys those plastic Florentine yeah. wine goblets, and she's just like she sets this, beautiful, you know. And the scene is really heartbreaking because she yeah. really is proud of it. And, and she had, like, read anything. in her magazines, but, like, this is what right. you do if you're a certain type of lady, exactly. and this is how people will respect you. Right. And, the, and like, yeah, she was, that movie really, like, kind of went over me, over my head the first time I saw it. And especially because, like, the, the pregnant woman, I never really, that used to freak me out. Yes. Um, and also because someone told me that I was the sh- that I reminded them of Shelley Duvall. Oh, my God. In that movie. And it, ma- I, it made me cry. You mean in a good way or bad? No. Like, that woman's crazy. No, and she's, she's sad. She's so, oh, I find her very uh, lovable. And she's not, you know, one of the things she's I She's pathetic. Was, no, no, no. Oh, you know, interesting. <laughs> I thought that it could be taken pathetic. But I think that there's affection that maybe was even written so she's supposed to be pathetic. But I think I glean a certain affection that Shelley Duvall has for the character and she has a self-respect and in fact she really does believe in this stuff you know like, like yeah. she gets her mm-hmm. whole personality from Red Book and 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 uh, Cosmopolitan and it was such a reflection I think of what a lot of women have bought into yeah it's very poignant and I, I never found her pathetic I just found her desire to be a better person very mm-hmm. appealing the fact that it was like all this stuff that like nobody really cares about yeah it's all surface i thought was very interesting but i love that character it's so it's such a rich character the other thing is that she was what year did that movie come out oh gosh it was i was in high school so i think it's 73 oh okay so it's that don't, don't quote me on it because it could have been like as no that as sounds about right because shelly yeah because shelly duvall had her minute and then right. well, who knows but late. um I feel like the other weird thing is she's still kind of representative of a woman that was dying out. Oh, no. How do you mean? Meaning, I think as the 70s, now I'm guessing, but I would feel as if as the 70s went on, women were stepping away from that. Like, I'm not going to threaten, like, come over, here's some weed, here's some wine, Mm. let's sit. You know, I just, I feel as if that sort of obsessive, detailed party planning, um, was dying out. That's, I feel like that's a holdout from the 60s. Like, this shows what a good wife I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, most women were going more towards, like, I don't right. want to be your wife. Right. You know, I what kind of husband are you going to be? Yes, I agree with you. Because I don't, I've never, I've only seen it with the audience a couple of times. And everybody kind of laughs at when she says, yeah. this line saying, like, well, the main, the way to a man's stomach is through. She says all these omelies and, and, and banal things like yep. that maybe women in other eras were told by yeah. magazines and, and, it was a home ec course. Mm-hmm. And so it is a good sign that people giggle at them. And you're right yeah. that her kind of woman. Well, that's what, you know, like the discussion, when you have a discussion about that movie, you say, okay, if indeed it's three women, and if you just conjecture that of those three women, they're all forming one woman. Uh, someone's once said, well, there are three stages of womanhood. You know, mm-hmm. that period mm-hmm. Sort of kind of try to be like what men, you think men are supposed to want. And then one is the childlike where you're discovering things. And then one is where you're sort of like, you know, the pregnant lady who's sort of independent, where you yeah. kind of go, I'm enough. Yeah. Like, there's any number of things you could take from it, but I do think you're right about that kind of woman that she portrays being hopefully a sign of, of the past. I, but even so, I still, yeah, I... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that was still going on, and it's still going on well, somewhat. I mean, we're st- they're still molding and all of well, that, but yeah. That's a whole other discussion. That's a whole other discussion. Because, you know, the point what you mentioned is that I would conjecture that if you take the same bullshit lines that those Red Book magazines <laughs> and you put at the end of it, this is empowering, you can say the same thing. Same thing. thing. Right. I totally because agree. You, you, you tell all these women, it's like, oh, push your bosoms up here. <laughs> and, 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 
but that's empowering. That's taking control of your own sexuality. Exactly. You're still following a line that says this is what men would like. Babe. Yeah. So. Um, the, the very last thing that I have to bring up, because you're probably the only other person that either has seen this movie or will this will, because when I was watching this, I texted, I have a good friend who's an actor and he has seen a lot of things. And I said, oh, oh, there's a scene. But have you ever seen a movie called Pete and Tilly? Yes, a long time ago. A long time ago. Mm-hmm. I, I found it somehow. Oh, wow. And um, it's actually on YouTube. Is it? Yeah, but there, Geraldine Page, I think I found it because I literally was just going oh, through and I was I like, I want to see, yeah, every, you know what I'm going to say. Yeah. I was like, I have to see every Geraldine Page movie. Mm-hmm. But there's a scene, another thing I love is they're at a ladies' luncheon place, uh-huh. which those places are gone. Yeah. Because um, there's one in, the most current one is in um, Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, I've never seen that. <sighs> Am I missing? Well. The only reason I'm bringing it up is because there's one of my favorite scenes. Because Nora Ephron is really, really, she's very, because she was a foodie. Uh, so Nora is very kind of like, I always notice she puts these things in her movies. But there's a scene where um, uh, Meg Ryan and Rosie O'Donnell go to a ladies' lunch place uh, to have lunch. Uh-huh. I love that. But in in Pete and Tilly, Geraldine Page and... Carol Burnett, Carol Burnett yeah. are in a ladies' lunch place, and they're having a very a lunch, like a very nice ladies' lunch. And of course, Carol Burnett is like an actress, and she's kind of pushing. She's because you know they call any kind of prop in a movie when an actor interacts with it, they call that business. Oh yeah, they call that your business. Uh-huh. So Carol Burnett, most actresses don't actually. You don't want to eat or drink. Yeah, you you Thank kind you. of pretend to or whatever. Mm-hmm. Geraldine Page is eating. And she's eating like a chicken salad. And I mean, she's, it's going down. And she's like, <laughs> it's flying everywhere. She's making a mess. She's using her hands. She's crazy. I gotta check that out. But again. I just like, it's just so funny to me because you wear, and except for maybe in like a Cassavetti's movie or something, yeah. like you don't see people, people eating. really eating. And she's really eating. I gotta check. I haven't seen it since the 70s. And I, I, I remember liking it, but I'm yeah. going to check it out if it's on It's YouTube. really good. It's really weird. It's kind of sad. I do kind of remember that. It actually like is very sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's Carol Burnett. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I just, uh, I, yeah, I, I just remember that. Even though, like, I don't know why anybody would notice but me. But, no, but that, I mean, because I think <clears> anybody <throat> who likes film or who sees a lot of film, you're always, like, sometimes drawn to the things you know about the making of a meaning that mm-hmm. there's all, often several setups and several takes of a certain thing. So you just know that somebody's not shoveling food take yeah. after take. So when you watch a movie, and sometimes it's a distraction, because I don't know if you are ever bothered by, like, sometimes the levels of drinks that they uh-huh. the <laughs> and you just sit there and you're thinking, that costs money, drink. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. But I definitely do that. I do notice that pushing around the food on your plate. Yeah. Exactly. And, and some people are really, really good at it. They always make it look like they're eating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they never really are. And then other ones, I'm stunned. I wish I could think of a movie where I actually see someone eating because... When they don't about, usually, especially women. No, because you remember in Hello Dolly when she has the big scene at the Harmonia Gardens and she orders a big turkey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is to show what a... Uh, not a glutton she is, but that she's taking advantage of the fact that she has money now. Yeah, what's his name? Uh, Horace is going to pay for it. Uh-huh. She does shovel it down, but not the way you might think. I mean, right? It's like you say, it's Barbara Streisand. She's not going to. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's one of the few films that I can think of that come to mind where I say, like, wow, that person's really eating. I know it's rare, but I did. You know, I I noticed, and I also just to me, Ger- Geraldine Page is. I, yeah, she's great. Oh, I she's think. so wonderful. I so. gotta see that for her because I forgot that she was in that. She and she's very, just very being good. a complete maniac oh, as gosh. usual. So if if you then could go into any movie dinner scene or anything like that from history, where would you implant oh my yourself? Gosh. A movie dinner scene. Or, or anything, any movie, any kind of dining or food scene, or, or just, a, or it would doesn't have to be for the food, yeah. but maybe is there like a great scene in, you know, in a restaurant or anything that you could be in, oh, what would you gosh. choose? Well, I tell you, you know, it has, it doesn't really have anything to do with the food, and then, you know, as soon as you leave. You're going to think of a bunch. Okay. <laughs> but I got to tell you, whenever I see. Uh, New York, New York. That movie okay. with Vinelli and uh, Robert De Niro. Uh-huh. There's a club they go to uh, that has all this neon uh-huh. walls. And 
every time I look at that, I say, like, oh, my God, I wish that were a real place. Yeah. You know? But it's a bar, so that doesn't really count. When I think about food, oh, I'm going to have to come back on that. I think I maybe I would want to be at the wedding in The Godfather. Oh, my gosh. And think about that. that that'd it's be just because it's so beautiful. It it's be so food. romantic. That, but it's also just like that girl was so beautiful and it's yeah. so romantic. Uh, and like, it's one of the few, like, kind of into, uh, innocent scenes in that yeah. whole thing. Oh, I like that you extract that from that. That's yeah. Nice. And also, like, I just love anything like Italy. I don't know. I just, yeah, yeah I think man, that's not my favorite, but that just like that's, comes to mind. I love that. I have this thing I think about like people sitting, big long tables sitting outdoors. Oh, you, you come from a big family? Uh, there's a lot of us, but like we, and we, the same as you, we definitely, there's, we have family reunions and we, there's food and all of that. But I think, um, I do like that idea of sitting outside and yeah. sitting at, well, of course you wouldn't want to be in Italy, wouldn't want to be sure. in Italy and, you know. I wish I could come up with what would probably be my authentic answer because I know I have one. Sure. I'm, I'm, well, I'm putting you on the spot. It's okay. No, it's you've given spot, us. Like you've I given. You. I know what you want. You want to be in Joan Crawford's. You wanted that coffee thing. You want. <laughs> <laughs> you want to have that coffee ready when you wake up, and you want that I gorgeous mind, coffee service. Yeah, because you know, I got to tell you, I have a bathroom fetish. Every time I go to Vegas, <gasps> oh, it's like too. it's like I'll look on the, the internet to find out how big the bathrooms are. Oh, I know. So if I had, you're right. If I had that in that shower head. That yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And I'm saying, I guess that was all, that was probably all on a, in a, a set. Yeah. Set. I believe so too. It's yeah. Just, just, Cause do you remember how, I don't mean to run off, but do you remember her, her bedroom was padded. looked like a, a yeah, I've never seen that in my life. I know. So that's what makes me think it was a set. It's just like, I've never seen a padded wall. Uh, that wasn't in asylum. I bet though, because, I have a feeling, well, that looked like Art Deco, that mm -hmm. style, yeah. her design. Yeah. And that may have been, because, you know, darling, we have Mother Needs to Sleep. Yes. So I have a feeling oh. that was, may, maybe that was like pet to insulate her a little bit. I don't bit. doubt it. I don't doubt it. That's a, that's a, see, that's brilliant. I think that's a, maybe. That's a, she, if it's not taken from real life, that's a wonderful bring what you know about life into it. But yeah. I would, it wouldn't surprise me if someone said, oh, no, we derived that design from, her, which is uh, Joan Crawford in real life, that she had an insulated bedroom so that it would be Maybe. Fine. And they maybe, probably a lot of them did. You know what I mean? Who like, wouldn't? yeah, if you, you could. could. Anybody who sleep with a strap and a head thing and a gloves? <laughs> Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? Oh, my gosh. Well, Ken, um, I can't even tell you how honored I was that you did this oh, today. Please. It was so great. Thank oh, you so uh, much. The, the feeling's mutual because I had a blast and I talked far too long. That, no, no, you did not. Please uh, remind everybody where we can find you. Oh, you can find me at... Uh, <laughs> you tell them. It's so good. <laughs> Dreams are what the cinema is for. And uh, if you like 70s films or if you really like film at all, I think you'd find something that you'd enjoy. He's such a good writer. Please oh, go check it you. out. And we are going to try and get him on Deep Thoughts. I, I want to. I just, I got to talk to you again. I'm going to wind up stalking this poor lady because I'm such a, I, I fall in love with her. Oh, feelings mutual. Mutual admiration society. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. And Bye. make sure and come back again. And don't worry about it. It's just small potatoes. Oh.